right. Uh, feels good to see y'all from this angle again. I, uh, 15, or, no, what is it? 17 years now being in ministry, this is by far the longest I've gone without teaching or preaching a message in any way, and I'm starting to go through withdrawals, so I've been looking forward to this, and I've got uh, five weeks worth of stuff built up, so y'all better settle in and get comfortable. I'll be nice. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 16. Before we look at this text, I just want to just kind of let you know where where I've been the last few weeks. Things I've been going through have been some of the hardest things that I've ever done. Some of it has to do with the fact that I wasn't fully prepared for what to expect going into this. I mean, my doctor was great, but he didn't fully explain everything that I could look forward to post-op. And uh, it's not just the pain itself that's difficult. It's the mental aspect of all this, too, that can be just as difficult as the physical. It's so frustrating to just not be able to do some simple tasks that I took for granted just five weeks ago, and even though I'm supposedly on track with my therapy, I still struggle pretty hard sometimes with discouragement of not being where I would like to be, and so the Lord is is really teaching me how to access patience right now. Uh, The hardest part, though, is that Just right now, it just seems like I'm not able to be the the husband, the father, the pastor that I was just five weeks ago. It's been a huge adjustment going from the one who's supposed to be able to take care of the whole family to needing the family to take care of me as far as being the pastor, I've basically been MIA for a month now. <clears throat> the week that I was in the hospital couldn't have come at a worse time. It just happened to be a week that was one of the most difficult weeks for our church as a whole as well. as We had lost several loved ones. We had these tragedies and losses that just seemed to come one right after the other within just a few days of each other, and there I was laid up in the hospital, not able to be there for anyone who was, who was hurting. Thursday night was the hardest. Carol had spent the first three nights with me there in the hospital, but Thursday she came back home to tend to some things, and so it was the first night that I was there by myself, and I lay there thinking about all that was going on in the church and all the people that were hurting. I was just laying there helpless. Felt like one of my kids 
was in trouble and I couldn't do anything about it. I just started sobbing, laying there in that hospital bed. It's a good thing none of the nurses came in at that time. They wouldn't have known what was going on. And I sat there just asking God, why, you know? God, why would you let this happen now, knowing of all these things that were going to be happening in the church I know there are a lot of things that God is teaching me through all this, most of which I haven't even realized yet, but that question there, he he answered pretty quickly, and he reminded me how I'm always telling you that the church is not about just one man. It's about everyone coming together and realizing their purpose in the body and their gifts and abilities that fit into making us the church that God has called us to be. And I heard uh, how great things about how people came together during that week and rallied around one another and ministered to each other, which is just such an awesome thing. And it was like as if God had to move me out of the way for a little bit so that the church could experience what it's like to be the church instead of just doing church and going through the motions. And so, man, I, I, I praise God for that. You know, one of the things that I was actually looking forward to, knowing that I was going to have all this downtime, was all the studying that I was going to be able to do. And I just knew that by the time I came back, I was going to have at least three months' worth of sermons ready to go. But that's been another frustrating thing because that hasn't happened. I've either been in so much pain that I wasn't able to concentrate on studying anything, or if I wasn't in pain, it was because I was on medication that just left me groggy-headed and and drowsy. So, so far, nothing about this whole ordeal has met any expectations that I had going into it. But there is one thing that God has showed me that I want to share with you today. So, uh, let's look at this text here in John... 16 illustrates what the Lord has laid on my heart. Let's all stand together. We're going to start in uh, verse 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, A little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples then said to one another, What is this thing he is telling us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. So they were saying, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wished to question him. And he said to them, are you deliberating together about this? That I said a little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will grieve. But your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much, God, just first of all, for... God, just allowing me the opportunity to be up here again, just declaring your worth and your goodness 
your grace and mercy, Lord, who you are. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just let us see that. Let us see Jesus for who he is. Understand what he has done, that we may be changed forever by it. God, I want nothing more than for your son to be glorified in everything that I do and say up here. And Lord, I pray for life change this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Seems kind of crazy at times when I think about it, how in order for my knees to not hurt anymore like they did before the surgery, I have to go through even more pain. I mean, the pain that I was experiencing before, that's not there anymore, which is a great thing. But I've got other pains now that are even worse than the ones that I had before. Before the surgery, I wasn't able to sleep very much at night because my knees were always waking me up. But since the surgery, I've had even less sleep every night than I did before. Before the surgery, I was limited in certain activities that I can do, but now I'm pretty much limited in everything. So in order for my knees not to hurt anymore, I had to go through even more pain for a little while. In order for me to be able to sleep more at night, I have to go through even more sleepless nights for a little while. In order for me not to be limited in the activities that I can do, I've got to be even more limited in what I can do for a little while. This is the ultimate meaning to the phrase that we always hear, no pain, no gain. I mean, in order to gain a better quality of life, I have to endure the pain that it's going to take in order to get there. There is a price I'm going to have to pay that goes well beyond the cost of any medical bills associated with this. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about how that's pretty much the case with many things that we deal with in life. In order to gain or improve something, there is often a price that we have to pay to get there. If you want to improve your health by losing weight, there's a price that you're going to have to pay for that by changing your eating habits and beginning a regular exercise program. I mean, if that's something you're trying to do, I'm going to tell you, don't ever fall for the gimmicks that try to sell you on a a quicker and easier way, a shortcut to get there. A good rule of thumb is that the easier that it sounds, the the less likely it is to actually work. I mean, there are no shortcuts to that. You're going to have to put in the work required to do that. You're going to have to pay the price of hard work and discipline. Let's say you're playing sports and uh, you're not getting the playing time that you want. There's someone else who's starting ahead of you, but you want to get better and you want to eventually be a starter. Well, for that to happen, you're going to have to pay a price for it. You'll have to put in the the extra work and the the practice on your own. You'll have to work harder than you did before. You can't just continue on doing things as you've always done them and then complain about not starting. You're going to have to pay a price to get where you want to be. No pain, no gain. Students, if you want better grades in school, you're going to have to pay a price in order to get them. Pay a price by studying more and and get or getting a tutor, you're going to have to pay by spending less time in front of the TV and the computer and, and time on your, your social media. No pain, no gain. 
If your marriage is not where you know that it should be and you want it to improve, you're going to have to pay a price in order to get there, in order to improve it. You can't just carry on with business as usual and expect things to change. That's insanity. You'll have to pay a price by adjusting some of the priorities that you've had in life or maybe going to counseling. Maintaining a healthy marriage is is hard work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, you can't expect any different results than you're experiencing right now. No pain, no gain. You know, we find examples of this principle all throughout the Bible. In order to be saved from the coming flood, Noah had to pay the price of building a giant boat in the middle of the desert and being ridiculed by everyone around. In order to ascend to the second most powerful position in all of Egypt, Joseph had to pay the price of being enslaved and spending years in prison. In order for Jacob to have Rebekah as his wife, he had to pay the price of working for his father-in-law for 14 years. In order, for, in order to reach the land that God had promised the Israelites, they had to pay the price of being led around in the wilderness for 40 years. And then in order to actually possess that land, they had to pay the price of fighting wars and battles against the people that inhabited it. In order for the church to grow outside of Jerusalem, it had to pay the price of persecution. And When Stephen was first martyred, Some of the Christians around there scattered, which led to the gospel being preached in other areas as well and allowed it to spread. This principle is all part of God's design. That if if there is something that you want that you don't have now, whether it's better health or a stronger marriage or better grades or whatever, you're going to have to pay a price in order to get it. That price is what the Bible often refers to as trials and tribulations. And God uses those things. He uses that principle to mold us more and more into the image of Christ. And being willing to pay the price in order to achieve something, that's good for you. Paul tells us this in Romans 5.4 when he said, We exult in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And James reiterates it when he wrote, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And here's something about it that you'll always find true. The price that you are willing to pay or the extent to which you are willing to go through the pain is equal to the value that you place on the gain. If you value something enough, you'll pay just about any price to achieve it. My willingness to go through this ordeal with my knees has everything to do with the value that I place on the gain that I'm hoping to achieve from this. And it's not just the value of being pain-free in my knees. 
It's the value of being able to run around and play with my kids and jumping on the trampoline with them again. The value I place on being able to to pay more attention to my wife instead of being distracted from the pain in my knees. It's, It's not just about the knees. It's the value on being able to be a better father to my kids, a better husband to my wife, and a better pastor to this church. And for that, I'm willing to endure what I'm going through right now. Students, if you value making higher grades, you'll put in the work that it takes to bring them up. If that's not a very high value to you, then you will settle for just getting by with the bare minimum. If you value being a better athlete, you'll put in the work that it's going to take in order for you to get better. I mean, those of us who played high school football, we know that the only reason we're willing to go through those brutal two-a-day practices in August is because of the value we placed on playing under the Friday night lights in the fall. If you truly value improving your marriage, you'll do whatever it takes to get there. You'll go to counseling. You will adjust your priorities. You will start laying down your rights for your spouse. You know, one thing that concerns me about our society today is that this younger generation as a whole doesn't seem to embrace this principle the way generations in the past have. And part of the reason for that. The blame can rest solely on the parents. I've talked many times before about how we've been raising up a very self-centered, entitled generation for the last 30 years or so. The generation that always gets a trophy, no matter whether they win or lose. And that creates that entitlement mentality. An entitlement mentality is never going to be willing to pay any price at all. They're not going to pay for it when they believe they're entitled to have it anyway. A young boy won't put in the work it takes to be a better football player when his parents have been telling him his whole life how great he is. I mean, why should he have to work for it if he's great? If he's great, then he deserves the starting position, right? An entitlement mentality doesn't know how to deal with loss or failure. If they make a bad grade or don't make the team or lose a game or make an error, it's always somebody else's fault. One of the things you hear a lot from this generation is the phrase, it's not fair. The system is rigged. That's why you see these college students on TV with all these riots going on over the election. They didn't win. It didn't go the way that they thought they were entitled for it to go, and they can't handle it. They're not willing to pay the price of just accepting that loss and then working hard for the next four years to try to get things to, to swing back in their direction again. And so they riot and they destroy things and throw a huge temper tantrum. Parents, I'm telling you right now, we need to be instilling in our children the value of working for what you want in life. That nothing is going to just be given to you because you deserve it. They need to know that if they want something bad enough, they're going to have to pay a price to get it. Don't just hand hand things to them 
or do things for them that they are fully capable of doing for themselves. You are not doing them any favors at all by raising them that way. Teach them the value of work and sacrifice. Well, what's all this got to do with the gospel? It has everything to do with it, actually. And this is how we can apply the gospel to our everyday lives. So here's what we've established so far. Anything you want or want to improve about your life, you're going to have to pay a price for it. And here's something else about that too. How high the price you have to pay depends on the distance between where you are and where you want to be. For example, let's say my health is here and I want to improve it to here by losing 10 pounds. Well, that's not a very far distance there, and so the price I'm going to have to pay to get there is not going to be that high. But if my health is here and I want to lose 100 pounds, then I'm going to have to pay a a higher price in order to get there. If a middle school baseball player, let's say he's a pretty good athlete, and so his athletic level is right here, but it is his dream to be a major league baseball player. That's a long distance between those two levels. And so he's going to have to pay a high price in order to get there with extra work on his own and private lessons and spending all kinds of money and a lot that goes into being able to make it at that level and the chances are still very slim. So let's take all that and apply it to our spiritual lives. The Bible tells us that apart from Christ, we come into this world guilty of sin, absolutely controlled by sin, and spiritually dead to God. We are cut off from relationship from Him, destined for hell, wicked and depraved beyond anything that we could possibly be. Let's say all of a sudden we realize our condition, and we don't want it to be that way anymore. And we pick up a Bible and we read or we go to church and we hear a preacher say that it's possible for that to change. It says that we can be forgiven and set free from that sin. It says that we can be accepted and loved by God and even adopted. It says that our spirit can become fully alive and we can even be holy and righteous. Instead of spending eternity... In the hell that we deserve, we can spend it in the splendor of heaven with Jesus. So we're way down here, but all of a sudden that we find out that we can be here. Well, based on everything that I've said so far this morning, if the price is determined by the distance between where we are and where we want to be, then this price has got to be astronomically high. And it is very high. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus paid that entire price for you. In order for you to go from here to here with God, Jesus met all the requirements of the law. He fulfilled all the commands. He suffered enormous pain, agony, and death as the payment for your sin. Everything that should have been required of you, Jesus paid it for you. Every bit of it. There's nothing left for you to pay. And remember what I said earlier. 
the extent to which you are willing to go through the pain is in direct proportion to the value that you place on the game. And this was very much the case with Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy of what? The joy of the gain. The joy of being able to be in that relationship with mankind once again. The joy of breaking Satan's grip on God's people. The joy of doing for his people what we were incapable of doing for ourselves. The joy of revealing his glory in ways that the universe had never seen before. The joy of bringing us from here to here. He paid that price. In this text that we read here in John 16, Jesus refers to this no pain, no gain principle in relation to what he came to do. He told the disciples, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Of course, they didn't know what he was talking about, but he was referring to him being taken away and crucified and buried in a tomb. That's what he meant when he first said, in a little while and you will no longer see me. But three days later, he would appear to them as the risen Lord. And that's what he meant by, and again a little while and you will see me. And he was alluding to the fact that between those two times, from when they wouldn't see him to where they would see him again, everything will have drastically changed. Look again at verse 20. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. They would grieve seeing him murdered on that cross and buried in the tomb, thinking that he was gone for good. But their grief would turn to joy when they saw him again risen from the dead. But in order for them to go from grief to joy, a price had to be paid. Verse 21. He said, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. You mothers pay a high price to bring another life into this world. And what you have to endure for nine months is just incredible. And the pain of the actual birth is so brutal, God knew men couldn't handle it, and so he assigned that task to the tougher women. <laughs> it's a high price to pay, but it's a price... Mothers are willing to pay because of the value that they place on that child. Because of the value they place on being a mother and the value they place on, on building a family. Jesus was using this analogy to describe the value that he placed on our salvation and the price that he was willing to pay for it. And here's how we apply this every day to our lives. Knowing the price that Jesus paid for you should serve as a strength and motivation to get through whatever hardship it is that you're having to go through. 
three days a week, my physical therapist, Mandy Britton, that many of you know, she's a part of this church family, and she's awesome. She comes to the house to take me through the exercises that I have to do in order to get my legs working like they're supposed to again. But those three days aren't enough to get me to where I really need to be. And so I've got to do those exercises by myself on the days that she's not there. And these exercises can really hurt. And I have to push past the pain in order to break up the scar tissue that's building up that would keep me from being able to bend my knees. Well, one day last week, I was having a a real difficult day. I, uh, I didn't hardly get any sleep the night before. And my knees were a little more swollen and stiff than they had been, but I was trying to get through these exercises, and I was just so exhausted and and hurting so much, and I was just getting so discouraged, and I was was just about ready to quit. And when I do these exercises, I usually have worship music playing. And just at that moment when I was ready to quit, the song that began to play caught my attention, so I stopped and listened. And what I heard was, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I just started crying. Jesus paid it all. And because of what he did, can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I was able to finish out what I needed to do. It's a good thing the Bible says make a joyful noise and not a pretty noise, isn't it? <laughs> a preacher, not a singer. <laughs> the application of the gospel to our lives every day for every situation is this. And if you're one to take notes, you need to write this down. If you don't take notes, you need to write this down. It's simple. Because Jesus has, I now can. Because Jesus has, I now can. That applies to every person in this room who belongs to him. Because Jesus has, you now can. You see, grace isn't just a static thing. It's not something we treat as if we're, we're placing something up on a mantle that we can just look at and admire from time to time. It's not static. It's a dynamic thing. It is active and alive and powerful and useful in every day of our lives. His grace isn't something that we just look at and remember. 
It's something that we access on a daily basis. It's what empowers us to get through the trials and the tribulations of life. It's what motivates us and wills us to, be, to, to pay whatever price it is that we have to pay in order to get where we need to be. There are some of you in here today who you know that God is calling you to another level. He's calling you to a higher standard, calling you to a change that needs to be made in your life, in whatever area that is. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. Others of you, it's an addiction that he wants to break. And you know that in order to get where you know God's been calling you to, that it's not going to be easy. There's a price that you're going to have to pay to get there. And if that's something that you're wrestling with, I'm telling you, just ask the Holy Spirit right now to let you see the value in the gain that He is calling you to. Because once you see the value in that, you'll be more than willing to pay whatever price it takes to get there. Yes, it may be difficult, but you need to know that you're not alone in that. That He is right there with you every step of the way. Some of you are going through a difficulty right now and you don't know what the gain is on the other side of it. All you know is that this is this stinks. You're going through some trouble right now. And some of you have been listening to the lie that Satan uses all the time saying, you're dang right you're paying a price. You're having to pay a price for what you did. You've made God mad and that's the price that you're having to pay now. The Father doesn't deal with us that way anymore now that Jesus has come and done what he did. Jesus paid in full for everything you have done. There is nothing left for you to pay. The Father deals with us now in this way. Everything He does in the life of His child is to lead you into pure joy. Everything. And sometimes He may have to lead you through a difficulty or a hard time in order for you to experience that joy. That's what happened here in John 16 with his disciples. He had to lead them through a period of grief in order for them to experience the joy that he said, nobody will ever be able to take away from you. So whatever it is that you're going through, God just wants to remind you this morning to just trust Him. To just trust Him with it. The highest price that could ever be paid by anyone. Jesus paid it all. In full. And because He has, you now can. Let's pray. Lord, you are so awesome.
Lord, thank you that you have met all the requirements on our behalf. That you paid our debt in full. That you accomplished everything for us that we could never accomplish on our own. Lord, the amazing thing about it is that we were so undeserving of that. But yet you did it anyway. God, forgive us for the times that we think that we've got to pay you in some way. Forgive us for diminishing what you've done. But saying it's not enough that we've got to add something to that. Lord, help us to just see the finality of what you have done and just be able to accept it and allow worship to just well up in us because of it. And Lord, I just pray for specifically for those in here right now whom, God, you brought here to hear this message this morning that you're speaking directly to. Those who know that you are calling them to a higher level. You are calling them and leading them into a change. And they may be feeling some fear and anxiety about that right now. I'm not looking forward to the difficulty that it's going to take to get there. God, I pray that you would give them a revelation of you and what you have done so that they will know that because you have, that they now can do whatever it is that you are calling them to and that you're going to be right there with them every step of the way. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with the difficulty that they are going through, not knowing what the gain is on the other side. God, I pray that today they're just able to rest in complete trust in you, knowing that there is unspeakable joy waiting for them and God they'd be able to experience right now a peace that passes all comprehension and understanding Jesus we love you we can't thank you enough for what you've done and what you continue to do in our lives and what you're going to continue to do in the remainder of this time together Lord, let your will be done. Do the work in our hearts that you intend to do. We can leave here different than the way we came in. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.